welcome back to another episode of Coffee and Band Chats. My name is John Kroom, and if you haven't already, please make sure you hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. Also, if you send us an email at info at johncroomcycling.com with your mailing address, I'll send you a Coffee and Band Chat sticker in the mail, limited supply, so make sure you do that soon. And if you would like to, you can become a monthly subscriber to this podcast. All you have to do is check out the description and we have a link in there and it's, yeah, you can do it as little as 99 cents a month and that helps provide, yep, stickers and all those cool, crazy things. So uh, be sure to check that out. But anyways, on this episode of Coffee and Van Chats, we chat with James Piccoli. This is James's first year at the World Tour riding for Israel Startup Nation. A lot of people say he came out of nowhere, but really he's been at it for quite some time riding for Elevate KHS, bagging some top 10 results and even some podium results at races such as Tour of Utah, Tour of Southland, and much more. We chat about his first year being in the World Tour, especially during the coronavirus, as well as the new signings of Chris Froome, Daryl Envy, and Mike Woods. He's also recently re-signed with Israel Startup Nation for another two years, so we get to chat about that and what it's like being on the team in this current time. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. But first, let's hear a message from our sponsors. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Coffee and Van Chats. I'm here with James Piccoli, and he is in Girona, Spain. And yeah, man, so how are you doing? I'm good. I just got back from a five and change hour training ride. I sort of got lost today, ended up on a dirt road, but uh, that's part of the the beauty of Spain and Europe is you can just kind of like figure it out and there's tons of little roads to discover and, and learn and tons of stuff to see. So it's uh, it's it's pretty much the best place in the world to, to train as a road cyclist. Yeah, it's cool. That's kind of where 2020 is going anyway. Everybody's riding gravel. So it's, uh, yeah, it's one of <laughs> that was very cool today. <laughs> right on, right on. Well, cool, man. Yeah. So like I was telling you before we even got started, I kind of want to know where you came from, dude, like where this all started. Like, I mean, how you even got into cycling? Because I think it's crazy to me how a lot of these Canadians are getting signed at like 28. You got Michael Woods. I mean, even Ed Veal racing on the track, you know, mm-hmm. like at, at, at a pretty prime age of the upper 30s. So yeah, let's, uh, let's kind of hear about that. Oh, long story. So I'd say I first got interested in cycling when I was, I don't know, maybe 11 or 12 years old. And I got a road bike and I started uh, sort of riding around and, and I wouldn't call it training. Like I was just riding with my dad. My dad was into cycling at the time and I would just sort of go out for rides with him and we'd, we'd go hit up all the hills in Montreal, of which there aren't that many. And we'd do, uh, you know, we'd do some rides, some coffee rides, stop at some cafes. And I really got uh, into it. And about a year or two later, I said, you know, maybe I want to try racing. I've heard, you know, I've seen yeah. racing on TV, I've seen the Tour de France, you know, maybe I can, maybe it'll be fun. And I was terrible at racing. I yeah. finished, I finished last every single race. I crashed. I'm like, this sucks. This is like not fun at all. And so I quit. Like I stopped racing. Yeah. Um, but I stayed on my bike and I kept having fun. I kept doing coffee rides, kept riding with my dad, just kept trying to beat him. Uh, played other sports, played hockey, uh, as, as any good Canadian boy does, uh, played <laughs> right golf, soccer, football, all sorts of sports throughout high school. Um, but I kept on my bike 
Um, fast forward to university time, I was studying mechanical engineering yeah. in university, and and we were studying things like fluid dynamics and aerodynamics and material science. And I said to myself, like, hmm, I wonder if I could like start training for time trials again, because all this stuff is pretty interesting to me. It sort of reminded me of the the technical side of cycling. Yeah. And so I started kind of like training more seriously and I entered a couple time trials and I did relatively well. And from then on, I sort of started training more and more. I, I thought to myself, like, I don't know if this could be a career, but I really like the training aspect of this. I really love the equipment. I love, I love everything about cycling. And, and, you know, I know engineering would be a, would be a stable job and stable career, but I really didn't feel like passionate towards what I was learning about. Sure. Um, but bikes was a passion there. So I said, uh, you know, maybe it's something worth pursuing. Um, convinced my parents to let me take a, a semester off and go and train in Las Vegas. Las Vegas. Cause of course in, in, uh, in Canada, you can't really train in the winter. You're, you know, I was, I did so many trainer and roller rides in my parents' basement. Yeah. Uh, so I said, then please let me go somewhere to train in the winter. So I don't have to do this. Um, and after that year, I got some, some decent results and ended up getting a, uh, my first pro contract in 2014, uh, which was anything but, yeah. um, and I mean, from then on, I was a, a full-time cyclist. Um, and even from then, I mean, the road was incredibly bumpy, uh, and yeah, spent, some time in Italy, got my ass kicked, came back, got my ass kicked in North America, uh, was not really getting race results, unlucky, couple little things, but slowly better and better and better, um, just with training and learning. And, and, and finally res results started to come when I, when I found a, a home, which was Elevate KHS. Um, yeah. I found somewhere yeah. where, you know, like the, the staff and the, the riders cared about each other and they wanted everyone to do as, as well as they could, you know, wanted, wanted me if, to go on to the world tour, if that's what I wanted, uh, were there to support me and help me learn and, and all that. So my, my career, my second career really took off when I found that supportive environment because that was something I'd missed in a cycling sense uh, up until that point, you know, I was never, I was never part of any national team programs. I was never part of any development programs. Like I really had nothing. Like I did it all myself until I found Elevate KHS. Um, and that just goes to, to show and say, you know, how, how vital those development programs and pathways are and, you know, and having staff and, and people with experience to, to guide you. Because I think that in North America is, is a little bit lacking, mm -hmm. um, but it's just, just because of, the lack of popularity of the sport. I mean, if you look at cycling in Europe and, and how enormous it is here and, you know, it's no wonder there's, there's such a developed pathway for, for young cyclists. Uh, there's just more people interested. There's more people willing to help out and, and uh, more people with knowledge. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's sort of my path in a nutshell. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff in there missing, oh, but yeah. Uh, yeah. I, like just even reading the fact that you were like an engineer and the fact that you created or you repaired your bike right and yeah. then you went on to win uh what the overall gc of tobago 
Yeah, Tour de Tobago. So I, Tour de Tobago, I remember looking at it. Tour de Tobago is a really fun race. Um, yeah. But the roads in Tobago are unlike anywhere I've ever been in the world. They're like 15% up and down all day. Like Dogs a mile, a mile, fifteen percent, a mile down, a mile, fifteen percent, and I remember looking at the profile and I'm like, I can probably use a really light bike, uh, but I couldn't afford one. I couldn't afford like you know, light bikes are really expensive. Yeah. So I said to myself, I'll see if I can repair one because I was working with carbon fiber at the time. I was making my own shoes, <laughs> so I bought a Super Six Evo on eBay for like three hundred bucks. Um, it was actually really simply broken. Like it was only like a couple cracks on the chain stay and, and seat stay, um, repaired it and, uh, and, and send it down on the paint. It looks pretty, I still have it. It looks really cool. It's one of the only bikes that I'll keep like forever That's because, awesome. uh, I put so much like sort of work into it and it's, uh, you know, repaired myself and, um, yeah, ended up playing Tobago on that bike. Well, yeah, I don't see it happening anytime soon, but uh, being that you just signed another two-year deal, but is it is that something that you think you'll you'll probably go into? Is like engineering for cycling and, and pretty much be the Canadian version of Dan Bigham. Hey guys, sorry for the interruption. I just wanted to let you guys in on a little secret that I wish I knew about sooner, and that is chamois butter. With the current pandemic and everybody jumping on bikes, you're probably wondering to yourself, am I supposed to feel uncomfortable down there? And then you decide to confide in somebody that you trust and that maybe even got you into cycling and they just say, oh, you'll get used to it. Well, in reality, it's actually an easy fix and you don't have to get used to pain. And that is by using chamois butter. This product is something, again, that I wish I knew about sooner. And when I found out about it, it made my rides that much more enjoyable, along with allowing me to ride longer. So don't ride in discomfort and check out chamois butter today. Now let's get back to the episode. is what's happening is at least what i'm hearing do you know dan bigham by chance uh, i think i've heard of him yeah yeah he's he's uh, the, the british track guy that does all the aero extensions and all the craziness and aerodynamics yeah yeah i i love that kind of thing i love the technical side of cycling yeah uh, i love the engineer that's why i love one of our sponsors is our bike sponsors factor and yeah factor the company is like a it's just like an engineer's dream. Like, honestly, they don't make cost effective bikes. Like they just want to make something that's just at the limits of engineering. Yeah. And that's very unlike any bike company in the world because a lot of bike companies, let's face it, are corporations that need to make money. Um, but that's what was so cool to me is as an engineer and someone who likes stuff and parts and equipment, like that's the dream is to go somewhere where you don't have, to skimp on this type of carbon or this type of design or like you don't need to meet a sales quota yeah. and you only have engineers designing just like the coolest stuff they can. Um, and so I would love to go into something like that in the future, whether it's on my own or part of a company in, in cycling. I don't think I'd ever work as like a director, you know, I'd never run a team. I'd never be involved, be that closely involved in like racing. Once I'm done, I think I will have my fill of that. Yeah. Um, but uh, I definitely love to stay with bikes and parts and equipment and I uh, love that. Do you still ride your own shoes? Because I think Adam Hansen did that for the longest time. Like He did that for a long time. I actually stopped um, okay. only because on Elevate KHS, um, we were 
road bond cycling at the time, um, and we're still sponsored by bond on on Israel. And I ended up forging a really good relationship with them because they made, started making me fully custom shoes. So I send the molds of my feet. It's actually the same molding equipment that I used to use when I used to make my own shoes. Yeah. And and so now they just do it for me. Yeah, well, they make, <laughs> I get they, to, they make a pretty good shoe. Between them and Lake, I mean, that's like some of the best it, shoes out there. Like They make a really good shoe. And, it's, and what's really funny and serendipitous is that when I was making my own shoes, uh, people would ask me, you know, like, okay, I don't want to make my own shoes, but what shoes would you recommend? Learn it, knowing what you've learned about design and ergonomics and all that sort of thing. And I always said bond. This is before I ever worked with them because they use a very similar mold and, and sort of technique and last to the way I was making my shoes. Obviously I've made them one pair at a time. Um, but I always said if I had to choose another pair of shoes, it would be bought. And so it's pretty funny that I ended up working with them and now that I'm still one of their athletes. Yeah, no, that's super cool. Yeah, like I said, man, I feel like that's like a game changer to the bike ride is like having a good pair of shoes and a good saddle. Like you can kind of yeah. make anything work. So yeah, man, let's, uh, let's kind of dive into like, because I mean, I guess in recent news, it seems that Israel Cycling is literally signing everybody and their mom. And I mean, if I was a new guy who had just came in and didn't have a two-year deal, like especially with the coronavirus, because like everybody's like fighting for results right now. That's usually the thing. But it seems that Israel's like this big family and they're just making the family bigger. And so how does that, how does that make you feel like that, you know, I mean, Chris Froome, Michael Woods, um, you know, Daryl Impey, like how does, that, how does that make you feel, man? Are you pretty stoked on that? It- it's honestly going to be all next year is going to be awesome. I mean, my, the first time I ever chatted with this team was, I'd say beginning of the year last year, uh, beginning of 2019. And they were pro continental at the time. And they said, and I was speaking with the performance manager of the team and also the, the general manager of the team. And both of them were saying, you know, whether or not you have world tour offers, which I kind of did at the time, just know that this team is getting better every year and we are committed to being at the tour of France and we are committed to becoming world tour and we are committed to all these things. And the funny thing is the cyclist, I've heard that so many times. Before. Yeah. I was about to say, and, I mean, like yeah. I only picture you just like getting that phone. I was like, yeah. mm-hmm. Uh, I can think uh-huh. of like many world, like North American teams that are like, we are going to go to the Tour de France. We are going to go to yeah. the Bay, you know? The amount of times that that has been sold to me, like, anyway. Yeah. But for, for whatever reason, this time, and just looking at the history of the team and where they had come from and where they were kind of going, I kind of believed them. Yeah. Um, and then fast forward to after Tour Utah, when they essentially said, okay, like we're going to send you a contract now. Um, those were the first rumors that we were going to, the team was going to look to find a way to get into the world tour like now. Wow. So they weren't going to wait for the UCI to give more licenses. They were either going to buy a license. They were going to merge with the team. Like they were going to figure it out and they were going to do it for 2020. Yeah. Um, 
And so that was another confirmation like, oh, okay, these guys are serious about getting better. And, and then since I joined the team, it's been just more of the same. Like, I can't tell you how invaluable it is for a team to constantly be looking to get better. Because that takes a lot of, like, sacrificing, like, the staff's ego, you know, like, and not yeah. just saying, okay, we know how to do this. The riders, like, just do what you're told type of thing, you know? Yeah. Because I've had a lot of teams like that. Uh, you know, like the, the staff and the, the team are constantly asking us, like, what can we do better? How's the equipment doing? Um, how is your race schedules? Like, how are – and they're asking this not just me, but, you know, the big riders and the, the guys with a lot of experience, and they're actually taking this advice and they're taking it in and they're making changes. That's one of the biggest selling points for me in this team and one of the reasons why it was totally easy for me to resign here was just that mindset of uh, like uh, having an open mind and looking to improve. Yeah. Because with those two things, you know, like honestly, there's a lot of old school teams who are really stubborn even today. Uh, and I think that's changing with, if you look at the teams that are getting results now, they're all pretty open-minded and pretty, pretty, you know, like current and, open thinking and all that, all that kind of stuff. But there's still a lot of teams who just know what they're doing and shut up and do what you're told, you know? Yeah. But it uh, almost seems like from you going from elevate, cause like you were the bee's knees of elevate. Like, I mean, as far as the GC side of things go and like you grew with elevate as elevate grew with you. And it was really kind of cool to watch because as they grew as a team, all the riders around it grew as riders. And I thought that was really kind of cool. And it kind of looks like you moved on to Israel and Israel has that same program going on, which I could see some people coming from that form of racing and going to the world tour and being like, oh, now they're immediately back at the back, not getting talked to, you know, just getting shuffled around and, and they're not growing with the team as the team is growing. And then when they're done with them, they're gone. Or it seems like you're growing with just as if you were with Elevate. Just, yeah, it might be on a lower level, but it's, you're still going up through the ranks. It's kind of interesting yeah. to see. That's, and it's totally true. And that's, that's one of the, the major talks that I had with them before I signed. They're like, listen, we really believe in you. And we really want you to grow. And we want to give you time to grow. And we don't want to rush it. But we really believe that you can be like a guy who can win someday you know and and we want to be you know the team that that brings you along slowly we want to send you to the right races we're not going to you know send you all over the place we're not going to make you travel to these races that you can't do well you know we're going to send you to the races you need to go to we're going to have you learn from some really good riders you know at the time it was dan martin now it's chris Froome and co yeah. um and so you're going to have the opportunity to learn, the opportunity to lead, the opportunity for results, the opportunity to help. You're going to, it's just going to like hit you from all sides and improve as a cyclist, which is totally true. And, you know, not a lot of teams could have that view towards a guy who's 28 years old. You know, a lot of teams see a 28 year old and okay, that's as good as he's going to be. Uh, we're going to sign him, and, and if we want to sign him, he's going to ride at the front, and he's going to go to all the shitty races, and 
and uh, we're going to use them up for two years and then we'll find another one, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's why I'm so lucky to be part of this team is because they actually are invested in my growth um, just as much as they're invested in the growth of the team, you know? Yeah. And that's well, it just seems that it seems that everybody's, I guess, more or less on an equal level, like in the sense that like, they're worried about Dowsett as much as they're worried about you. Or they're worried about Greifel as much as they're worried about you. Or they're worried about Dan Martin as much as they're worried about you. Like you're not just another rider to help those guys get their success. So they're just oh, no. worried about you next year as they are worried about Dowsett winning, you know, worlds in the TT, which is really kind of okay. inspiring to see um, and, and really kind of cool to see. Um, so that being said, what's your goals at the World Tour right now, man? I mean, like, obviously it's been a crazy year this year. Um, and I bet kind of scary being first time world tour, like in the sense of <laughs> where does, you know, what's going to happen. Um, but yeah, so what's, what's your, what's your kind of goals for the, re the rest of the year? Um, my kind of goals. Well, hopefully as we're speaking now, it's late August. Um, I'm supposed to go to the Vuelta. Hopefully the Vuelta still happens. Okay. Um, I think the Vuelta is a perfect Grand Tour for me to start with. From what I hear, it's the least kind of stressful. It's the best in terms of if you're a climber, obviously. And it's the place where you really like get your Grand Tour legs. Um, and so I'm actually really looking forward to the Vuelta. I think, I think if I can go with no pressure and I can go to just learn and see, I can, I can actually do well in the race, uh, relatively, you know, yeah. I, I, there's, there is a side of me that this year wanted to give myself like specific goals in terms of results or races or what have you. Um, but I actually, I actually had to force myself not to do that because it can be a lot to do in the first year. You know, there's already so much that's changing. You know, I've moved my whole life to Spain now. I'm okay. looking Sweet. to buy a house here, you know, um, and there's just a lot of stuff that's new and there's a lot of stuff that's different and there's a lot of learning to do and there's a lot of people to get to know. And, and in that whole environment, going straight in and then asking of yourself, you know, I still need to get results. I still need to do the X, Y, Z, whatever it is, that can be a little bit too much. Um, yeah. and, and I'm very lucky because, again, I didn't put any pressure on myself for results. Um, well, I kind of did, but you know, like I, I, I didn't put a number on anything. Yeah. yeah. I'm still a bike racer. You know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I know exactly what you're talking about. And a few people who yeah. are listening are going to be like, we know what you're talking about, but yeah. <laughs> just enough, enough to kind of like take a little bit of pressure off. Yeah. yeah. But the team still extended my contract, you know, with yeah. essentially no results. Um, so that's, that's another thing that really, it was like, I'm so blessed to be a part of this team because they, they believe in me so much. I, I got my contract renewed in the middle of coronavirus, like, like when no one was racing, racing. Yeah. You know, so that's how much they, they believe. And obviously they saw my work ethic and they saw, because all of our stuff goes to training peaks now. Yeah. And they saw how hard I was still working in confinement and how much I was still training and, and my numbers and so on and so forth. Um, but I mean, you know, there's more bike racing. And so for them to, to want to renew my contract, when you've seen the people they've yeah, signed for sure. you know, and that they're, they're looking to sign, 
was was incredibly flattering and really confidence inspiring. Um, so I mean, goals short term. I always, whenever someone asks me about my goals, I always give the same answer. Uh, I want to continue to have fun. Yeah. Cycling. I want to continue to love my bike and love riding. That's always number one. Uh, always number two is I want to continue to make people proud. You know, my parents are my biggest fans in the world. Uh, I wouldn't be a cyclist without them. And that's honestly the biggest thing I care about is just making them happy and putting smiles on their faces. Yeah. Number three, after those first two is to, is to start to learn and, and race for results. Um, yeah. I think it's going to be in some ways longer than I first thought in some ways, not as long. Uh, until I can actually get results. I think, I think I'm not that far in terms of physiology, but I still have a lot to learn with the racing here. You know, the, the thing with racing in Europe is that if I go do flesh alone, which I'm supposed to do, and I go there for the first time, I'm racing against guys who've done flesh alone 10 times. Yeah. And they know the corner to race to, to get to the next corner, to be in good position for the climb that the race splits on. Mm -hmm. And I just sort of show up like wide eye, like I'm ready to race flesh alone, you know? <laughs> and so that, that kind of thing is actually very, is very underrated in, in terms of bike racing, in terms of yeah. road cycling, you know, like those, those little things add up to a lot. And that's what, you know, when I first said I'm here to learn from some of the big riders, that's a big part of it is they've done these races five, 10 yeah. times. And they can tell you, Oh, you, this is the climb you got to be in the front at, or this corner, or this part of road always has crosswinds or this, like people just you guys just know that. And that's what bike racing is at this level. Cause everyone's strong now. Everyone's fit. Everyone is lean. Everyone has their training and nutrition dial. The differences come from these little things that you can find you know knowing the knowing the course knowing the right corner to be at uh knowing how hard to go on a climb and and when to go hard and when to save all these little things add up to a lot at the end of the day in, in world tour racing and that's that's what i'm missing you know i'm and that will come with experience and with yeah with time and with a little bit of guidance um but that's really the last piece of the puzzle um, yeah no yeah that's that's super cool so because uh, I don't want to hold you up, man. I know that you, you you did me a huge favor jumping on the podcast with me, especially being it's 4.30 after your five-hour ride. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so what what I think is really inspiring about you is that there were so many times you could have just said, you know, I don't know I'm just going to go out and say, it. you could have just been like, fuck it. Like, I'm done. <laughs> like, seriously, like, hang up the bike. Um, I mean, because like, just even looking at your results, I mean, in 2017, you win the Tour of Southland, like, ninth overall at tour of alberta 10th overall at tour of utah like in in back then like based off the news articles nobody would talk about that but if you were 23 you would have gotten signed you yeah. know what i mean and so it's really it's really kind of inspirational to go from 2017 all the way down to 2019 to get second overall at the tour of utah and you were in yellow for you know quite some time and so yeah. what's your kind of like to somebody who's probably in your shoes now that's sitting at home, listening to this podcast going like wanting to quit. What's your kind of feedback to them and, and kind of your, 
your mantra, I guess, more or less. Hey guys, sorry about the brief interruption, but just wanted to give a huge shout out to this week's sponsor of the podcast, and that is Beetroot Pro. I've been using Beetroot Pro for quite some time now, and honestly, it's the best beetroot powder that I've ever used. It shakes up super well, it doesn't leave a clumpy mess, and it doesn't taste like dirt. If you've ever been interested in trying beetroot powder, this is the product to try. And you can get 15% off now by using code BANCHATS at beetrootpro.com. Now let's get back to the episode. First of all, let me make one thing clear before I get my mantra is that I very nearly did quit. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think if I were to give advice, I would say it's okay to feel like that sometimes because cycling is hard, man. Yeah. Cycling is really hard. Um, and one of the reasons why it's so rewarding is because it's hard. Yeah. So now I recognize, and it took me a while for me to recognize that the struggle is a part of what makes the sport so beautiful um, and this pursuit so beautiful. So I, I nearly quit in, in 20, in 2017, before I got a call from Elvi, because that's the year I joined Elvi, midway through the season in like August. Yeah. Um, I was supposed to sign for a continental team in Australia. <clears throat> um, did all their signed contracts, started looking into apartments in Australia, all this stuff, getting sort of ready to go. And then in December, we get a message an email from the, the team saying, uh, oh, actually, there's no team next year. Sorry, guys. Jeez. And I was like, okay, now what? And it's like December, almost January, and I have no team. Uh, like every team is filled up. Uh, I didn't know like what I was going to do. And that's my, that's the biggest time that I said to myself, okay, maybe – maybe it's just not going to work out, you know, like maybe this is a sign, you know, maybe I should just, yeah, try something else, go back to school. Yeah. Um, but I'm like, uh, I'll, I'll go to Vegas and I'll train and I'll be ready. And then we'll see what happens. That, that was literally my plan. Like yeah. I had no team. I, I got on a plane with no team. I, I can't remember what bike I took. I probably took that Cannondale. Yeah. <laughs> I, that was probably the bike I, I took the train on. And um, how old are you at this point? I was 2017. I would have been 26. 26. Right. So well past what? Yeah. What most teams are willing to sign riders at. Um, and so I said to myself, well, "Listen, I'm just going to train, and I'll do the spring racing in in America and in the Southwest. And if it works, it works. And if not, you know, I I really gave my best shot." And then I ended up finding a team called PPB, got to Redlands, um, flatted, got to Gila, almost won the last stage of Gila, flatted. Um, and then I'm like, oh, you know, like maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe that's yeah, you need new tires. I swear, like a, a week <laughs> before, a week before I was going to like go home and just like stop, Paul from Elevate called me on my way to the grocery store. And I didn't recognize the number I just picked up. He's like, hi, I'm Paul from Team Elevate, which I had never heard of at the time. Yeah. And and uh, he's like, we're going to take you to the tour of Utah. 
And I'm like, okay, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> what do you want? Sure, yeah. How much yeah. money do you want from me? Yeah. It's like, no, no, really. We're going to go to Utah. And I've, and I've seen you with the races. And I swear to God, he said this to me. And he's like, I really believe one day you can win the Tour of Utah. Wow. And he said this to me in 2017. And that was literally, a, I was a week from hanging it up. Um, and then, of course, things started start to kind of work out but the message behind my story is that i think it's it's okay and it's natural and it's even necessary to go through those lows um because that's how you get the resolve that's how you get the determination like you those are those points in in your cycling career and in your life in general they are tests you know and they're there to to, you know, to show you, okay, this is, and you don't know at the time, this is as low as going to get. Are you willing to keep going? Are you willing to keep pushing uh, with the uncertainty, with the, you know, and, and keep pushing for, to hope that it works. Um, and that's the same reason why I laugh every time someone says, you know, this, this whole coronavirus thing must suck for you. I said, man, I've been, I've been living with uncertainty and, like this shit my whole life like this is just another another thing like i was i've been in you know las vegas like thousands of miles away from home unsure if i was gonna have somewhere to stay unsure if i could afford groceries unsure if i was gonna do anything with my life in a month now this is coronavirus easy i have a job i'm paid (laughs) yeah things are great man (laughs) yeah it gives you enough time to go well if I don't have a job come January 2021, at least I know I have, there's a timestamp on when I don't have a job. It's not yeah. just like tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's what, that's what I would say is, first of all, to any cyclist out there, learn to deal with uncertainty because uncertainty is going to come throughout your whole career, whether there's pandemics or not, whether there's problems on the planet or not, like uncertainty is a part of cycling. Just yeah. learn to deal with it, learn to accept it. Um, it's okay to, to feel like you want to quit sometimes. And I mean, the only way to, to, to get better is to keep going. You know, there's, there's honestly no, there's no better advice than just keep going. You know, that's, there's anything that I've learned over my career. Um, we said this before we started recording that you said to me, it was funny that you read a quote that I said, you know, I don't feel when I hear people say that you came out of nowhere or something like that, like yeah, this yeah, kid, yeah. like you know, nowhere started getting results, like burst onto the scene, whatever. Yeah. Uh, I always laugh because, you know, it's been like almost 10 years of like five hours a day, training, reading, learning, training, watching, uh, reading, looking at profiles, looking at races and just like essentially 24 hours a day trying to get better at cycling yeah um but that's that's the commitment that it takes you know that's that's just what it is and and you know the only way i got to where i am now is that i I kept going when when you know when times were tough i i can honestly tell you that i don't believe that i'm talented i don't believe that i have any natural gifts you know i don't i don't have a a huge engine whatever you want to call it in cycling terms um i'm an incredibly hard worker i train a lot 
I read a lot. I always want to get better every day. And that's the only reason why I'm on the world right now. You know, there's no, there's no magic. There's no, no magic pill, special, special interval. There's no special food. There's no, you know, and it's just hard work over time, you know, and there's, that's really what it is. So that's my advice to any, my long story slash advice to anyone who, who, who wants to try this as a career is just keep going. No, but like I said, man, I mean, it's straight inspirational, dude, because it's, it's one of those things where it's like, I mean, even myself going through, you know, not making the Olympics and not making that, it's just a matter of like, well, now what, you know, you put all that into that and it's like, now what? And for some reason I keep still riding my bike. So uh, <laughs> I don't know, at the end of the day, you just figure out that you, that you love it. And so it's really cool to see that, like, you've literally, you have to find failure to get success. Like you have to find the hardships to get the good stuff. And I, I think that's, you're pretty much a spitting image of that. I mean, then I have a team, then to go to Elevate and then pretty much cruise on Elevate for quite some time. And I'm assuming that wasn't easy and it wasn't a cruise, but uh, yeah. Um, again, 10th overall at Tour of Utah. Most people would, that would be the first thing on their resume. And it seemed like you just kind of pushed it by the wayside and just kept going, even when people didn't look at it too. So again, man, thank you so much for your time. Uh, I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, if you guys want to check out the links in the description below, there's a really cool video of his family congratulating him on his, uh, uh, his signing again. I thought that was super cool. And so be sure to check that out and I'll put that down in the description below. Other than that, thanks guys. Cheers.